0: Here's the checklist to declutter this area of your house, but none of them really show you the full scope of what goes into doing this start to finish, and that's exactly what's in this training. So go check it out, motherhoodsimplified.com forward slash DIY, or check the description of this episode to go get it today. Hello, and welcome to the Motherhood Simplified podcast. This is an episode that has been a long time in the making. It is talking about the logistics of a move, whether it's a quick move or a cross country move. My friend Sarah Potter and I are talking about everything that goes into a move and how to line that up, things to consider. And Sarah Potter is actually an admin in the Motherhood Simplified Facebook group. She's been a part of Motherhood Simplified almost since the beginning. She's a military family. And I think they've gone through one, maybe two moves since she's joined Motherhood Simplified. Of course, a big part of my story and why I teach decluttering is because my family and I have moved so much. And so we wanted to create an episode where we could come together and share our best tips and insights into what actually goes into a move and how to make decisions on what to keep and what not to keep. Uh, how to declutter before you move or after you move? How um, there is another episode, a part two of this, that's talking about unpacking after a move because that's a completely different topic. But Sarah is she's so much fun. She's so much fun. She has so much insight, and because she is a military family, she's bringing the the side and the considerations that military families have to consider because I'm a civilian. There are just some things that I don't have to consider. And it was really good for us to come together and talk about those different things, the things that we have control over as civilians and the things that we don't have control over and then what military families have control over and what they don't have control over when it comes to a move. So we've shared some good moving hacks at the end of the episode. I hope that you find it helpful take notes so that you can refer back to this. Of course, you can listen to it many times, but if you're the kind of person who taking notes helps you, this is definitely an episode to take notes because there's just so much information packed into it. Now, in the description of this video, you will also find a whole lot of links to moving resources, moving resources that I've created, things that I've used in the past to actually make our moves and other episodes and posts from Sarah. She's got some funny posts in the Facebook group during her move and things that she's had to figure out what to do with. Um, So I hope you enjoy this episode. I also want to tell you that Sarah and I, between the two of us, we have eight kids. And if it sounds like at any point in this episode, there is a pause and we forgot what we were saying. It's because we did. It's because we did. Because you know what? Moving is hard and it drains your <laughs> it drains your mental energy and even just recording a podcast episode on it drained our mental energy. So thanks for the grace and not having perfectly curated conversation. It's a conversation between moms who know a lot about moving and really wanted to help you out. So that being said, let's get to the episode. All right, everybody. Welcome to today's episode, an episode that is highly requested and I openly admit I have avoided for a long time because it's a really big topic that requires a lot of details and that's just not my strength. (laughs) But it's talking about how to prepare for and implement or execute a move. So whether you're moving across town or across the country, and I have my friend Sarah Potter here who is an admin in the Facebook group. We've done like three or four podcast episodes before on various topics that I will link in the description, anything from how she decluttered as a military spouse to how she helps her daughter who's very resistant to decluttering, Um, all of that. But we're talking about moving and the logistics of a move. I am going to be sharing my tips as somebody who has moved between 2011 and 2020. I've moved once a year or more, including moving office spaces for my husband, including schools that I owned. Um, lots of tips from me. And then we have Sarah here who is going to cover moving as a military family, which comes with its own set of unique circumstances. So thanks so much for being here. Sarah, do you want to give them an introduction to yourself?
1: Hey, Hey everybody. Thanks for having me, Krista. It's always a pleasure coming on here and chatting with you. Um, I've been, In the military community since I was 17, that's when I started dating my husband who has already gone off and doing military things. And then I did my first quote unquote military move when I was 19. Uh, We were not yet married, so I did it all on my own, but I moved from North Carolina to Colorado with only what would fit in my four-door car. (laughs) And that was, I was moving to go be closer to him at his duty station. Um, And so since then, God, that's been a long time ago. I'm in my thirties now. So we've been doing this for a long time. And so I'm excited to uh, try to bring some insight in with the military moves um, with what we're talking about today. So it's going to be fun. Hey,
0: yeah. I always forget that you also moved with nothing and started over, um, which is something that we can talk a little bit about down in the episode when you're deciding like what to keep and not keep when you do move, Um, but real quick, I just want to get this part out of the way. Now for this conversation, we're gonna be going kind of back and forth between military and civilian moves. And I think that all of the tips that we'll share from either side are gonna be relevant to you, whether you're military or civilian. Um, And we, of course, will dive into the logistics of each, but from the civilian side, one thing that we do have control over is our location as well as somewhat control over our timing. And on the military side, um, Sarah and I were talking, they have more control over the job, right? And less control over the housing and the timing. So on the civilian side, the things that we have to consider are like where we're moving, do we have employment? Like, do we need to get that lined up first? So, I will share that from the civilian side, that's always the thing that we do first. When we move, we make sure that we have the employment lined up, like not just potentially, not just like, I would like to have this, or I hear that there are jobs there. Like we make sure that that is lined up first because if that's not lined up, we have five kids that we're responsible for and that needs to be done. Now, I don't have specific tips to tell you how to get a job, but I will say that there are tons of resources and tons of options, like hiring companies, Asking your company specifically for opportunities to move, um, becoming a remote worker, which has really exploded in 2020, which might mean that you have to take some time to build that up. But there are so many options. And then from there, that's largely how we decide our location. Is like, where's the job and where do we want to be? And then we follow that. So that gives us the freedom as well to choose our housing, where we want to be, where we want to live. And I know, um, that's basically the opposite of
1: you, Sarah. So what's that? You guys have the job security, but not necessarily the housing security. Correct. And everything that I'm going to just preface this, that everything I'm saying is based off of the United States. So if you are in a different country, I don't know how it works there, but, um, I'm sure it's pretty similar. So for us, obviously the job is the reason we're moving and you don't have the option to say no. There's very limited circumstances where you can say, hey, I really need to stay in this location. Um, Otherwise, you're pretty much at the mercy of where they want to send you and when you want when they need you to be there. So that could be that you have a good, you know, two, three, four months heads up. That could be that you have three weeks heads up that you have to be there. And I've been in a situation with both circumstances and neither one of them are fun. That sounds, I mean, that's
0: pretty, that's kind of how we did it, but it was our choice. Like we didn't just get like a surprise. Now you have to go. Um, but I think when we get into like the talking about like what to bring and how to bring it and how to pack it and how to decide what to keep, we'll have a lot of overlapping ideas there. Um, and the other thing that I wanted to say was that kind like. Similar but different to military. Like we choose our job and move based on that. But again, it's in our control.
1: And
0: (laughs) So sorry, we had to pause and regroup. But we choose the job for us on the civilian side. And then we move. That's just how we do it personally. I'm not saying that you have to do that. You can move and then find your job if you want to, especially if you have a lot of money saved up or something like that. Um, On the military side, it's basically – we decided that you're going to move and you have this much time to do it. And the reason that we wanted to start this conversation off this way is because before you start putting a lot of time and energy into actually coordinating the logistics of your move, it's important to know, first of all, that you are moving. Um, Because I see a lot of people thinking about moving or wanting to move and spending a lot of time and energy, like figuring out how to do it and then realizing that They can't move or they don't really want to move. And so hopefully listening to the rest of this episode and figuring out what actually goes into it, how to do it will help you clarify if, if a move like this is something that you want to do and you want to keep in your mental space and keep thinking about, and you know, we all know that what you think about often consumes your time and energy on a daily basis. So figure out if you actually want to commit to this and move forward, or not, and just get it out of your brain space and enjoy the home that you're in right now and the place where you live right now and the life that you have right now. There's no right or wrong answer here. Um, Okay. So that being said, if you know you're moving or if you know for sure that you do want to move, the next step is to start laying out the logistics, right? Like doing the math, figuring out how exactly that's going to happen. Like I know Can you tell me this is true, Sarah, like for every military move,
1: do you get somebody to pack and move for you or how does that work? For the most part, you do have that option unless it's one of those fast, quick two, three week moves. And it depends on, and the whole factor with that is if the movers can't make it to your house fast enough, because sometimes they are backed out a good month, four weeks, five weeks, um. And so, especially over the summer, it might be that you don't have time to actually book the movers and you have to do it all yourself. Surprise. (laughs) Okay. So like movers or packers or both? It's both. Oh my gosh.
0: Okay. So that's crazy because they're like, Hey, you have to move. And also we might help you out. We might not. (laughs) Okay. So have you had a move like that where you were told that, and then you had to figure it out?
1: Um, We were going to actually, and this goes into um, having the control over your move. We had three weeks to get from point A to point B based off orders. And so basically you get, once you get the sheet of paper in your hand that says you're good to go, that's when everything starts. If you have like verbal orders, they, they don't mean anything until you actually get that sheet of paper. Right. So we had gotten actual physical orders is what we call it. Um, and had a three week timeline to get from point a to point B. And then, so we did all the things we were trying to get the mover set up. We had our real estate agent, we owned our house. So we had our real estate agent come over, sign the documents to have her list our house. And the next day those orders were actually canceled. So sorry. So that's nice of them. (laughs) Yes. Sorry. My phone rang. Um, those orders were actually canceled. So it would have been one of those situations where we would have had to just figure it out and get down there ourselves because at that point it was the middle of summer and the movers, the Packers were going to be booked out. Luckily I didn't actually have to do that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That. So Speaking of control and like fast moves, because I think a lot of us, whether sometimes even civilians are get, you know, put into situations where they have to make a very fast move, whether it's by their own choice or not, because there still are sometimes where we, we don't have a choice, Mm -hmm. um, you know, a renter or a landlord decides to move back in or, or whatever. Um, that's how fast about how fast we moved when we went from Alaska to Florida, the difference being, it was our choice. So we got to say yes or no. It wasn't like somebody was telling us, but my husband went down to Florida and got the job. And they told him originally when he accepted it, when he was down there, that he would have six weeks to come back home and like coordinate the move and all of those things. And then he got back to Alaska and they were like, Oh, just kidding. We need you here next week. And so he went down there and started the job and then I stayed back and we had to figure it out. We, I had to figure out the logistics of a across continent, but like the furthest points on the, on North America, you know, staying in the same country. And there are a few different ways that we civilians can do it. We can hire a moving company. We can get a U-Haul and do it ourselves. We can ship things on pallets, um, especially if you're like going long distances. So those are the three ways that I've regularly looked at different things. And Within the DIY moving, there's actually, it's kind of like Uber for semi-trucks or whatever they're called, like the, you know, the trucks that you see on the highway that have like the big containers, it looks like a moving truck, right? There's basically an Uber system for those that you can rent out. You just find like an empty one going from your city to the next city that you're moving to. You can rent it out and they'll come to your house, you fill it up and they take it to your city, which is what we did when we went from California to the Midwest, I actually don't recommend it because they, it, (laughs) what we did not realize was that it was on trucks without like shock systems, like moving trucks have. And so our stuff got all banged up. Um, not a huge deal, just like kind of annoying, but it was way more affordable than a U-Haul and it was way more affordable than a moving company, obviously.
1: (laughs) That's how they ship. Sorry. Yeah. That's how they ship our stuff. It gets shoved in shipping containers. Yes couches upside down on top of a bunch of boxes. And when it arrives, you just hope and pray that you have actual things that are yours and they're not broken.
0: Yeah. That was, so that's ba- That's basically what we did, except for we yeah. got to pick ours and we got to have one that was just our stuff.
1: <laughs> Which, that's yeah. fancy. Right. You're probably like, that sounds like a dream. It's a dream. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, but really what you have to do here is a whole lot of math. It's a whole lot of math. And it's a whole lot of Googling moving companies versus moving trucks versus creative options like Uber for shipping containers, right? Um, And all I will say is that you'll find that it adds up pretty quickly. And depending on the distance that you are going to, it's often more affordable to either get a tiny little moving truck and only bring things like, you know, your, your kitchen stuff. So you did this for one move, I think, kind of. Kind of. Yeah. Like your kitchen stuff, like your kids' toys, like seasonal clothes that you don't need immediately and bring that with you. And then honestly, like repurchase larger things depending on the distance of your move, right? Because when we went from Florida to Idaho, we did the math on what it would cost to drive a truck up there with us And it was more expensive to bring our stuff with us than it was to repurchase things when we got there. Now we did things a little bit creatively because we decided to live in an RV and save for a few months before moving into a house. Um, So as you can see, as I'm telling these stories, like it requires a lot of creativity, being willing to just try things and having very little attachment to things that can easily be replaced and you're going to be spending a lot of money to move anyway. So you just have to consider what you want to spend money on. Do you want to spend money on bringing things with you? Or do you want to spend money on getting it when you get there? Cause it might actually be cheaper. So <laughs> that's a little bit of it on the civilian side. What's it like for you as the military? Cause I remember your last move, you had like weird stuff you had weird stuff and I
1: was trying to keep up with your move, but I was like, Sarah, I know you want my help, but I don't understand what's happening. Well, you were moving at the same time. I think you and I were both on the highway together. Yeah. Um, so last time, one of the situations we had to push through was knowing the housing market here with this base that we're at, it's ginormous and the people that are coming and going from here, um, it's kind of the the housing market's really inflated here. It's hard to find good housing and the school systems are not fantastic. So there's a lot of things at play. And when, what we realized was that we were probably going to have to build a house because it's easier to secure one that's already started versus one that is, um, you know, already built or older. Um, people are currently, putting down thousands and thousands of dollars just to try to get a house. Doesn't mean they're actually going to get a house. Um, so what we did knowing all of this, we packed just what we needed for roughly six or eight months. So we brought mattresses, pots and pans, a tiny TV, um, our love seat, just some, a few things so that in the event we had to, um, rent, Briefly, And we did this, we actually stayed in an Airbnb that was minimally furnished, um, for a few months, we would have the things that we needed. We would have the things that we needed. Um, I muted everything on my computer and it's still over here dinging. So I apologize. Um, but without all of, all of our stuff. Right. And so that was a whole adventure in itself. Cause we're toting around this trailer that we borrowed from my father-in-law and we just had to pull it from place to place to place with all of our things until we could find housing, even find this Airbnb to park it at. So that was a whole mess. Um, but it happens; like it's very, very common for us to not have housing when we get here because you there's no negotiation, um, realistic negotiation for when you can start once you have those orders in hand, um, except for extenuating circumstances. So you got to be there whether or not you have housing. And that's one of the things that we had to work through here was just what, what could we bring and survive off of for six months until we could get a house.
0: Okay. So I have a question about that. And then I can kind of share some, some of my thoughts on this, but when you're moving, it's wildly stressful, even if you have everything planned, as well as you possibly think it can can be planned, something's going to happen to mess it up. So during your moves, how do you stay like kind of calm? And you said something on, it was on the nightly reset post today where you were like, my routine is location dependent. As long as I can get the kitchen in order, like I'm good. So is that relevant to when you move to like just staying whoops, calm and grounded?
1: Yes, Staying calm, staying grounded. I am the kind of person that just pushes through day by day with a, an overview of what needs to happen in the future, because if I focus too much on the future in those situations, I will drive myself crazy. And I just, I think I know at this point, you know, I've done this so much that you just have to trust that things will work out, even though you don't know what exactly that means. Um, and the nightly reset that wasn't, I don't think that really has anything, any bearing on this but it was very, I mean, I guess you could say that the things that I focus on are the places that I am spending the most time in. And so whenever we were moving and packing, the things that were most important to me were the things that I used daily and spent the most time using. Um, And so that's why the kitchen is important for me for the nightly reset. It's the first thing I see when I walk out of my bedroom in the morning and it's the place that I you spend the most of my time. So sorry, that's kind of off topic, but to answer your question. No
0: nightly resets during a move. Same. <laughs> yeah. Um, Yeah. I try to think of how I, how we've moved and how we stay sane to be completely honest. And I don't know. So I think that's one of the questions that comes up a lot in the group is like, people are moving and they're, they're packing things. They're, trying to get out of their old house and get into their new house. And they're like, Oh my gosh, like, what am I doing wrong? I'm like, you're not doing anything wrong. You're going through probably one of the most difficult transitions there can be. Um, you know, aside from, I don't, it might even be more difficult than having a new baby because your entire space, if you're sensitive to the space that you live in, your entire space is literally thrown around. <laughs> like It takes your everyday mess and just amplifies it by a thousand. So I, for me, because we move so many times, what I notice myself thinking is like, I know what to do. I know it doesn't last forever. I just have to get to the place. Like, honestly, I don't like to spend a lot of time, like wishing myself into the future. But when we move, I definitely do a lot of that. Like, just get through this, like, just do whatever you have to do. Just order, order pizza, use paper plates, just throw things away. <laughs> You're not in a season of life to try and do the most right now. You are just doing what you have to do to get through it. And it is hard, even if you have the most perfect plan. Um, okay, so speaking of that, when your house is in ruins, um, let's talk a little bit about deciding what to keep and what to declutter. Because I 100%... Always advocate for decluttering before you move, because otherwise you are spending time packing things that you aren't going to get rid of, and then you have to spend time unpacking it and making more decisions. So just do it do it up front. Not only that, but if you are paying for it out of pocket, like a civilian, you're paying to move stuff, which doesn't make any sense. Why do you want to pay for stuff that you're not going to keep anyway? Um, So I always recommend decluttering first. But can you? share kind of what it's like to make those decisions as a military family.
1: And then I can share what it's like on the civilian side. I think the military side of, uh, I think we're a house divided on this too, because I actually did a poll in one of my military groups and was asking whether they preferred to declutter before or after their move. And it was pretty equal on both sides. Um, and I think it's very dependent on the control you have over your move and your timeline. So if you know that you're going to be moving in two months or three months, you obviously have time to go through some things, right? Um, if you're doing one of those three week moves, get the trash out, get the, you know, the things that, you know, are not going to make it and then just do it after. So I think it is very much, um, time-based And I think it also depends on whether or not you've done some decluttering in the past, because if you haven't, obviously you're having to figure out exactly your processes and how to think of, think things through and that kind of thing. Um, if you have, you might be able to be a little more swift about it and get your stuff out quicker and make more logical decisions on the things that you're keeping versus throwing away. So I, we're a house divided on that one. And I do know that, um, and i think i'm going to call it, call us out i think every single military person who moves frequently has that box of things that might quote might fit in the next house right so we are so bad at keeping things because we know we're going to move again and let's be real things are expensive curtains are expensive and i know you and i talked about that at one point one move we were like let's keep the curtains cuz you had just bought them <laughs> and you were expensive um So yeah, we we have that box of stuff that we keep that we actually don't even declutter after we move because it might fit in the next house.
0: That's a really good point um, about, first of all, a decision-making process. And it's, I mean, decluttering is a skill and also keeping things that might fit in the next house. Cause I can remember, obviously I have that unique experience of going to Alaska, Florida with nothing. And so I got a really good crash course in, knowing kind of intuitively what is worth keeping and what's not worth keeping because I had to rebuy the things that were worth getting again. And I did that more than once. Um, and okay. So I had that experience of going Alaska to Florida and getting rid of everything and intuitively being able to know what to get and what to not get. And then what was worth repurchasing and not repurchasing things like, like curtains, but also things like home decor or accent furniture where, oh, and on the civilian side, the other thing that we consider or is maybe more of a consideration for us when deciding what to declutter or not is the cost of moving it. Because for us, it's either cost per pound or cost per size of the shipping container or a combination of both. And so for me, when I'm considering like, should I bring this you know, wall hanging? Do I have room for it? Do I actually want to pay to bring it? Is it worth, you know, do I like it enough to try and see if it fits in a new house? Or is it more cost effective for me to just get some kind of new decor? Like how essential is decor really in the grand scheme of things? And those decisions can be hard to make based on your personality. But as, you know, like, do you like that comfort and security of having things that are familiar to you? or not, like, I don't get a whole lot of security from that, to be completely honest. So it's easier for me to get rid of things like, like your pretty map on the back of your wall, Sarah. Like I've, I had one of those in Idaho. And one of the things that I had to think about was like, do you remember it? I don't know if you ever saw it.
1: I think I did. Yes. You bought it. It was, it was like a tapestry kind of thing. Yes. Yes. Yes.
0: So things like that, where I'm like, it cost me $40 to buy it. I know for sure I can donate this and somebody will be like, score, love it. And I really don't want to pay to bring it with us. Like, it's not that big of a deal. I'll find something else to hang in my house. I can find, you know, a different entry table or whatever. So those are kinds of things that we use to consider. But on the civilian side of like, or at least not we, I shouldn't say we, I consider feel free to take it or leave it. And if you are somebody who values comfort and security of having familiar objects around you, maybe it's worth it for you to pay a little extra to bring that with you. There's really not a right or wrong answer, but these are things to consider. So, um, and again, on that
1: note, sorry, on that note, we as military, uh, families do have to watch our weight, um, as well, because whether you're a two person family or a six, seven person family with all the kids, you're only allowed X amount of weight to move. So that actually forces the larger families to cut back on stuff and be a little bit more mindful because Otherwise, they're going to be paying even more out of pocket for all of the things that they have to bring to accommodate their huge family, as opposed to just, you know, spouses. That's good to know,
0: too. You don't just have like unlimited Mm -mm, capacity to bring stuff with you. Nope. (laughs) Um, And I do want to say that while I personally recommend decluttering before a move, like every time, I know that a lot of people are not going to agree with that. And that's also Okay. If you are somebody who wants to declutter after you move, I would encourage you to go listen to the podcast episode I did a couple of weeks ago on settling in after a move because what happens super often, kind of like what Sarah was talking about, is you move and you have all of your stuff packed up and then it stays there indefinitely. And that will make you feel, if it's a box or two or whatever, maybe a shelf or a little bit of your closet space, whatever. But if it's a garage full of boxes that you never got around to, like that- that can quickly make your house perpetually feel like you're not settled in. And um, so listen to that, that episode, settling in after move is what it's called. Um, go check that out. But let's talk about actually moving. I know you said you have some hacks and I have some hacks that I've used multiple times too. So I'm, this is probably what everybody's been waiting for.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Save the best for last. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So in my experience, we have only, we've always used the Packers. Um, and the movers. So to bring, you know, the big things we do did, I decluttered it finally had, we had heavy furniture. Um, and if you are in the group, go to search for my name and monstrosity, and you will see this giant piece of furniture that my husband was so in love with. Um, and it was just a pain in the rear to try to move. So I finally got him to declutter it, but it's just a funny thing to look back on, um, and I lost my train of thought with that. (laughs) Oh, hacks. Yeah. So we've always used the packers and the movers. Right. And so there's a few things that you can do to make it easier to prep before they come. Um, and Krista, I know you can touch on doing it yourself. Um, but for me, what has worked out really, really well is to take the time in advance to pack all of the things that are truly, truly sentimental and cannot be replaced. things like your photographs. Um, I have very little that is actually truly sentimental that it, everything would fit in my backseat of my car. Um, so I take all of those things and then I take all the essentials, things like paperwork or you know birth certificates and that kind of thing that I don't want them to have access to, and clear out a closet, put it in the closet, shut the door, tape it shut with big caution tape and say, do not pack. And that's been huge because they can't touch that stuff. You know, otherwise you you're left with maybe your passports accidentally getting packed with the movers and you need them to get back into the country from an overseas, you know, move. Um, so that's one of the big things that we do. I notice a lot of military spouses will get the, the little stamps with your name and your phone number and stamp each box with your contact information in case your package accidentally ends up across this, the other side of the U S um, they can find your stuff. I've also seen lately putting air tags, the little Apple air tag trackers in the boxes so that you can keep track of where your um, household goods are, where they're going and kind of keep people accountable obviously for all of your things. So those are just some quick basic things that we do to make it quick and easy that you can have beforehand, ready to go. What about for just doing it all yourself?
0: Yeah, um, well, okay. I have a couple questions for you. Oh, okay. the first one that you said was on the sentimental items. Mm-hmm. Cause yes. when, I, when I talk about our story of going Alaska to Florida with only one suitcase each, the part that I often leave out is that I did leave behind about three boxes, like three, um, you know, like plastic storage bins of our sentimental items that were actually sentimental items. Like Mm -hmm. my husband's high school yearbooks, his letterman jacket, like our baby photos, things like that, that can't be replaced. And prior to decluttering, is that how you did it too? Or did you have what you considered to be way more sentimental items than what fit in the back of your car.
1: I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm positive that I brought more stuff that was quote unquote sentimental. I have a set of fiesta wear plates that my grandma gave me when I moved out of my home, my parents' home and into my first apartment. Um, they're retired colors. She has now passed away. Like That was my first set of plates. And for some reason, like I remember going to her house and, you know, having these plates set up and she ended up giving them to me and I just absolutely love them. I do remember considering those as sentimental enough to bring in my car. And let me tell you, that is a heavy box to have to tote around in the backseat of your car in a move. So I do things like that, like that I can live, I can live without if something were to happen to them. Um, I just have the Packers take extra care in bubble wrapping them and making sure that they're safe. So there's things like that, that kind of cross the line between, you know, it's something that I'm going to have to lug around versus something that I really love, but could live without, um, you have to make those decisions too. And I really think I did a decent job looking back at only bringing the essential, you know, sentimental things but I don't know maybe maybe my mind has changed since then too okay I will say I remember
0: your fiesta wear I and okay here's the thing for anyone who's listening and if you're inside of the group um, just know that if you make a post and it's about something that's like special to you know that people see your post like at a glance and it's tiny little silver because I remember your fiesta wear I don't know if you were asking like should I keep it or not keep it I don't remember what you were saying about it but I did not know that that was like a considered sentimental item thing to you and I was like why would you keep fiesta wear like (laughs) if you don't you know if that's not your style or whatever like why would you keep fiesta wear um so I just i just remembered that it was like when you first got into the group, I think, and I did find the monstrosity post. So I will link that monstrosity post in the description here. If you want to see this behemoth of an entertainment center, it's amazing. Um, (laughs) but yeah, I think when it comes to sentimental items, that's really good advice. Like I can relate completely to where if I wasn't moving, my perspective would be different. Like so much more stuff would have been considered sentimental, but because I had to move and I had to make decisions based on what we keep and and don't keep or how we bring it with us. It allowed me to actually curate what's sentimentals to us, which is something that I'm a big believer in. Like we can't keep everything for sentiment. The things that most of us are keeping for sentiment are not true sentiment. It's an attachment to an old story. It's an attachment to like a season of our life or whatever um, that we need to you know, it's over and that's okay if it's over, but um, yeah. Sentimental items, the labeling app, the air tag is a really
1: good tip. And
0: then what was the, what was the next question? The
1: other hack I had was uh, keeping all your things locked up in a closet.
0: Yeah. Okay. And I do that in our house too, but not for packers and movers, for my
1: kids and my family to be like, don't mess this stuff up. Like this
0: stuff is done. Don't touch it.
1: Yeah, and I think it works great too if you're moving yourself. And those are the quick access things that you need to have on hand. Um, to p- pack them last, so you have access to them or whatever. You can definitely tuck those away in the closet, keep them safe, and then pack them up at the very end.
0: Yes. So for for my tips, that's basically what I do in each room of the house. Is I pull out the things that we need. For us, it's usually like a week before we actually move. I will pull out those things that we're only using for that week and everything else starts to get packed up. Now I do it pretty rigidly because we got to a point where instead of just starting over, cause Alaska to Florida, we started over Florida to Idaho. We started over and then when we moved Idaho to California was the first time that we brought our stuff with us. And we had very limited space for what we could bring because we were bringing our own moving truck. So I had a bin of each kid. They each got to put like a bin of their toys and they packed up those toys and they put them away for a week and nothing bad is going to happen if they don't get access to their toys for a week. They're not going to get bored to death. Like they're going to be totally fine. But I, and I have to do that if I want to actually make progress in moving, they can't have access to everything. So I will do that in each room in each kid's room. They pull out their clothes that they're going to use for the week their book or their little select little group of toys that they can fit into their backpack. And then everything else starts to get packed up into either boxes or bins. And then in the bathrooms, I do the same thing. Whatever can fit into the bin is what we keep. And we will usually, like speaking of curtains and stuff, we, when we move, we'll replace things like bath mats just because they're relatively inexpensive, but they've been used and they're gross. So I don't wanna pack them up and bring them with us. That's something I'm willing to replace. I'll also, as we are packing things up, just take inventory of the condition of things like rags, towels, bedding, um, decide if it's worth it to pack it up and bring it with us. Or if if it's, you know, if we've lived in a place for a year or two, might be worth it to just throw the bedding out and get new bedding when we get there. Towels, um, you know, things like that, even with clothing, like clothing, seasonal clothing, I'll use that as I'm starting to pack things up. That's how I make my decisions. Um, So about one bin per room or per kid for things like toys, one suitcase of clothes for each person. Um, Not to say that if it spills out into more than one suitcase, I'm not going to let them keep it. But having those strict boundaries is really, really helpful. Now, when for us, when it comes to actually packing things up, we pack in – the big things first, which means that for a few days we are couchless or kitchen table list, which is convenient, but it just is what it is. Kind of going back to what we're talking about when you just have to do what you have to do to get through it. That's one of those things. Like it's inconvenient. Nobody likes it, but it's just what you have to do. Um, So we will pack in the largest things first and then pack in the smaller things around it as much as possible for things like stuffed animals or pillows and blankets and beddings. I just throw them into a trash bag and they get thrown up on the top because who cares? Um, and, And that's it. But things for like our kitchen. So I try to give as much as possible everybody that boundary of having like one large tote to put their toys, one large suitcase to put their clothes, and then a backpack to put those toys and clothes that they're gonna use for the week that we're moving um I try to do the same concept for each room so like one bin for a bathroom two bins for the kitchen I really should have three for the kitchen but I don't because every time we move I end up needing something like a pie pan but it's not that big of a deal um if you so we have moved so much too that we don't buy moving boxes I just have a pack of like the plastic storage bins that we actually use for moving. And when we're not moving, they sit empty. I could fill them up with stuff right now, but why? Like I teach about decluttering, so I don't want to fill them up. And we're not going to move for a long time, so I have a bunch of empty plastic bins that I can, I don't know, put – I don't know, they just sit there. Um, But that's what we've used for moving for a long time is like 15 or 16 of these bins to pack all of our small personal items into and – that's how we move, that's about all we have and it works well with the exception of replacing things like like the, the bathroom mats or bedding or even dishes sometimes, like a lot of our dishes break. So sometimes I'm like, we had a set of 12 and now we have a set of like seven and a half. So let's just get new dishes when we get there, right? Um. So any other tips, did anything else come to your mind? Not really. <laughs> We are doing mom life, by the way, everybody, yes. as we record this episode,
1: I don't know how many times I've had to pause to be like, wait, what was I saying? My kids got home in the middle of this off the school bus and they're writing me notes and putting them in the window of my office to get permission to go outside and play with their friends and stuff. So yeah, I think I've gotten up out of this chair three times now.
0: <laughs> and just to be keep it real, like that's how it's going to be when you're moving, you're going to have constant interruptions. It's I think one of the best tips I could give you that's not like a logistical, like how to pack your stuff up tip would be to not take it so seriously (laughs) because it's gonna get messed up. Your plans are gonna get messed up at some degree. It's gonna be a whole lot of work. You're gonna be freaking exhausted. And that's okay.
1: Yeah. Um, Lower your expectations. Yeah. Dramatically.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Lower your expectations and then lower it some more. So okay. So speaking of the mom life part of it obviously with military, like you don't, you don't necessarily always get to prepare your kids for a move. So do you have anything that you do with your kids when it does come time to move or how do you prepare them? And I can share a little bit about what I've done wrong in the past and how I don't do that anymore.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh gosh. Um, so our last move was kind of unique because we were actually stuck. I say stuck. Um, in a good way because we needed to be there, but we were at that duty station for seven years. So that is the only home that my kids knew of. And so when we were moving, like this was a whole new thing for them. And we waited until the last minute because we just did not have it in our heart to tell our kids that they were leaving their friends and their family and stuff. And looking back, I wouldn't have done that. I needed to tell them sooner so that they had more time to process. Um, and it's just, it's so hard on them when they don't understand that they haven't done that in their lifestyle. So if you have kids that are, if you're a civilian, you have kids, you know, I think in my experience, it would have been easier for me to tell them more upfront. So they have more time to process, um, for your military kids, they might be, you know, better at it. Um, the official flower of the military child is the dandelion. If you've seen a dandelion, it can grow in the middle of a sidewalk and flourish. So I think it's kind of unique in that sense that these kids are really resilient and, you know, all kids are resilient, but we did have a really hard time with that move, um, for so many reasons. And we're coming up on another one within the year here. And we've been really upfront with our kids about it. We've told them, you know, this is the situation. This is what could happen. We don't know yet. Um, but when it comes time to it, I feel like I want to involve them more. Now. My kids are older. I have a nine-year-old, a seven-year-old and a three-year-old. Um, and the three-year-old's a free spirit. I don't have to worry about him, but my nine-year-old daughter is the one that we have always had trouble with, um, being sentimental and attached to things. And we, you and I have done a podcast episode, excuse me, episode on her and her stuff. But, um, I feel like, I'm hoping anyway, that it's going to work out better next time, telling her upfront, you know, and preparing her. And she seems to be doing better this time. I also made it very clear with my kids last time that, you know, this is what happens when the Packers pack your stuff. They saw my stuff get broken. they they lost a box of their toys that my son has not let me forget about. Um, so the realistic expectations of like what it's going to take to move, what could happen to their stuff and just reassuring them that it's going to be okay. It's just stuff. We can get it back. You know, you'll get new toys, you know, you'll be fine. That was something that we tried to drive home with them too, to try to make it a little easier on them.
0: Yeah. Um, I can relate to that because we also had a move where we just decided, well, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to defend myself just a little bit, just a little bit. Not that it makes it any better, but hopefully people listening can realize like nobody teaches you how to do this. (laughs) And even if they do, I'm sure there's lots of people that could have taught me this. I didn't listen and I didn't know that it was out there. So you're listening to this, take it or leave it. But when we left Alaska to Florida, our kids were two, four and seven, um, And I don't share a lot about like our family, but the two and like my seven-year-old is my stepson. So it was a different conversation for him than my two and four-year-old. Like they didn't really understand, like they knew that we were gonna go somewhere, but they didn't really understand like, oh, we're moving. And so I didn't really feel like I needed to tell them a whole lot more than that of like, we're moving to a new place. There's gonna be a beach. Like dad and I are gonna be there. Everybody else is gonna stay here. And like that, that was pretty much it. And the thing that I think I did right with that is that I knew that James and I were the security point for them. And so as long as James and I were there and we were getting reestablished with them and, you know, engaging with them on a daily basis, like we were their whole world, basically, as long as we maintained that, they would adjust just fine. And for those ages, I think that was, that was right. And we stayed in Florida for four years and we moved around to different cities within there, but we were still close enough to like maintain their friends and all of that. And it wasn't super different, but then we went from Florida to Idaho and, and we didn't tell them much until it was time to leave. And they still did fine with that. They were like six and eight. Um, my eight year old is the free spirit. So it was good for that. And then Derek is not the free spirit, but he was still fine with it probably because he was young and he wasn't in school. Like I was homeschooling. And so it was fine. Like, we're going to another place. It's going to be fun. Yay. Then when we went from Idaho to California is when we did it really wrong. And we didn't, we thought about telling them, but kind of similar to you of like, do we really want to worry them with logistics? Like, we don't know anything for certain yet. So do we want to tell them things and then change our mind? And so we decided to get it official, like know our plan, our logistics for moving, and then tell them. And <laughs> That was not a good idea. Um, They were very upset. They were very angry because at that point they were 10 and eight. And, you know, at 10 years old, like you're, you're starting to get your friends and they did not want to go until we were able to like warm them up to it and be like, (laughs) okay, our bad. Like we didn't mean to upset you. We wanted to make sure that we had it in plan and place before, and we think it's going to be really awesome. It's going to be sunny. It's going to be all these great things. And eventually they got on board, but we learned don't do that. And so for our final move, California to the Midwest, we were upfront with them for a few months before we actually started looking for places because we knew we wanted to be out of California, Um, but we didn't know when. And so we started telling them like, we're going to move out of California. We don't know when, and we want to get to a place where we don't have to move all the time, which is one advantage that we have as a civilian family. We get to choose that. We get to say, this will be our last move. And got to approach it that way with them, which was much better. Not that we were saying, you know, asking them, like, do you want to move? It's like, we're going to move. (laughs) And we're going to move somewhere with the intention to make it so that you don't have to move again. And here's all the things that we're considering. And we want your input. And we want to know how you feel about it. And how can we make sure that you stay in touch with your friends? And how can we make sure that when we get there, you are creating new friends so that you're not, you know, worrying about that, which... was a really big deal for our kids in those ages too. And then we moved during right when the pandemic hit. So that was fun. Um, (laughs) but yeah, just communicate with your kids. Like if it's a, a thought in your mind that you're going to move and you have a relatively good idea that it's going to happen, you should tell them then and just be honest with them. Like say, we don't know if, or we don't know for sure. We don't know when, But it's better than not telling them anything and then just blindsiding them with a huge change, um, age dependent, of
1: course. Right. And it sounds like the moral of the story is just tell them (laughs) when, you know, right. You're going to have a lot of grief and emotions and stuff with these kids, you know, that you're going to have to address. They don't have to agree with it. They don't have to love it because obviously a lot of those things are out of their control, but having the time to process with them, giving them a little bit more time to process is sounds like it's better in the long run anyway. So I agree.
0: Yeah. And I think that's what I think like in the back of our minds as parents, like not telling them, I think we thought that it would make it easier for them to process or maybe on some level we were just avoiding having to deal with all of that, that grief, that anger, that confusion, sadness, everything that comes with a move when you're a kid and you have to leave your friends and your comfort behind.
1: Yeah, that was me. I was totally just avoiding it. (laughs) <laughs> and yeah. I knew it. We both knew it at the time. <laughs> yeah. We didn't want to deal with it.
0: I don't know if I consciously knew that or, but I think on some level I did of like, they're going to be, you know, they're going to feel some kind of way about it. So up until then, they hadn't really just because we, they were so young and the one person I like Brie, she loves it. Derek doesn't, but he was still young enough to be like, eh, okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And we were homeschooling. So it wasn't like we were taking him out of school or He's such a homebody that he was just like, okay, new house, new house, who it is? Um. <laughs> All right, everybody. So, thank you so much for hanging out on this episode. I hope that you got some good tips. I'm going to I'm going to do a whole like link, whole bunch of links in the description here. Links to things that we use for making decisions on where we're going to move, like for schools, for like checking neighborhoods for. Jobs for apps like the AirTag thing. I've seen a lot of stuff on that, and then there's another app actually where you can just scan something and track your boxes. Like not track your boxes, but like what's inside of the boxes. Um, which Ooh, is kind of cool. cool. Yeah. So lots of hacks will be in the links for you, as well as things like Sarah's Monstrosity. Oh boy. Um, and maybe I'll try and find some like good moving links that we've done. Actually, I, I have an entire guide in the motherhood simplified group on the ride documented our last move. Um, moving is a lot. There's just so many moving parts. And so this episode is an attempt to condense that guide into something more digestible.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And if you're looking for that guide, it's at the very top of the group. If you scroll all the way up, there's some buttons that go across the screen and it's under guides. I don't remember which number guide it is, but that's where you find the guides in case you haven't found that yet. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I will, yeah, I'll link that guide, but then there's other guides up in the group too, that you should go check out. Like, I don't know, I can't remember what I put up there, but I know that I've <laughs> <laughs> like put a clothes guide and a toy guide and stuff. So
1: many good so recommendations guide.
0: Yeah. So this is a really good episode just to save, um, for you, even if you don't want to listen to it again, but just for the resources in the description so that you can come back to it and get those and thanks for hanging out. And thanks for all of your insights, Sarah.
1: Awesome. I had fun. Thanks so much, Krista. Yeah.
0: Hey, before you go, I have a question to ask you. Would you please leave me a five star review if you are listening on iTunes? It helps me grow my show and reach more moms like you who are wanting to declutter be without becoming a full blown minimalist. If you love the show, I would love it if you shared something specific that you find valuable or helpful or that you just enjoy about listening to this show. I would mean the world to me if you took time out of your day to do that. And while you're at it, head over to motherhoodsimplified.com to listen to more podcast episodes or check out our Facebook group, Instagram, just to connect on social media. If you love these episodes and if you love this show, please tag me. I love to connect with you over there. Podcasts are kind of like a one-way conversation where I feel like I'm talking to you and with you. But when you tag me on social media, I feel like we can take that one step further and actually connect with each other, which is the whole point of me starting this podcast and community in the first place is to be able to connect with moms like you who are wanting to declutter without becoming a full-blown minimalist. So tag me on your Instagram stories. I'm motherhood underscore simplified. Check out the motherhood simplified Facebook group or head over to the site and just find even more blogs, podcasts. Decluttering courses to help you continue on your decluttering journey. Thanks so much, and I'll talk to you soon.